about to listen to the profound word of God, ministered by Ty Adeshuba, pastor of Worship Tabernacle Church. Without a doubt, this will be a life-transforming experience as you acquaint yourself with the word of God and develop a rich and rewarding relationship with Him. This message will certainly shape your life, fulfill your dreams, and guarantee your success. name. Someone say amen. Alright, I, I wanted to go on another tangent um, this evening, but God brought me back to what I started teaching last week, and I felt there was still one thing God kept dropping in my spirit, and it kept going on and on again, so um, I will deal with that um, before we take other subjects as we go along. So last week I dealt with the word, you are greater than a location. You are greater than a location. And so I read from the book of Second Kings chapter 2, and let's read it together. Second Kings chapter 2, and from verse 19 to 22. The Bible says, then the men of the city said to Elisha, please notice the situation of this city is pleasant as my Lord sees, but the water is bad and the ground is barren. The situation looks good, but the water is bad and the ground is barren. First thing is that I want us to notice that people are still living there. Because sometimes we just read and bypass it. But people were living there with a barren ground and a water that was bad. And he said, bring me a new bowl and put salt in it. So they brought it to him and then he went out to the source of the water and cast, it in, cast in the salt there. And said, thus says the Lord, I have healed this water. From it there shall be no more death or barrenness. So that means the water caused death. It says there will be no more death or barrenness. So the water remains healed to this day according to the word of Elisha, which he spoke. According to what? The word of Elisha, which he spoke. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 23. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 23. This is just an addition. It says, I'm using the Amplified, I think. And it says, I'm be constantly renewed in the spirit of your mind. Having a fresh mental and spiritual what? Are we in church? So let's read it together from the beginning. And be what? And spiritual attitude. Now, last week I started with a, that you are greater, you are bigger than a location. I declared that a location can be a place, 
like when Isaac found himself in a famine in a place. I declare, I spoke about how Naomi was also in a famine. It was a location, but she decided to leave because the location became greater than her and her husband. And moving a location does not solve a problem. Because when she moved locations with her husband and two sons, she came back empty-handed. Meaning her situation does not change because you changed your location. Are you following what I'm saying? Um, here we also see Isaac that had a famine in a location and God said to him, stay in that place and don't go to Egypt like your father. And in that land that was barren and that land that there was a famine, the Bible says he went forward, he sowed his seed in that same land. He became, when it was prosperous, he went forward and he became very prosperous. So he was greater than the location. Peter, by the way, was in the middle of a storm in his location. And the location he found himself in brought doubt to his mind. And it nearly defeated, this is where I'm going, his position with Christ. Which means we are, the Bible says we are seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. And if Jesus is far above principalities and powers of darkness, and every knee bows to him, that means by the result of our positional location, our physical location is subjected to our position. I've said this before, that it doesn't matter where, whether you like him or not, because when I'm, by the time I mention his name, everybody, many people get a bit annoyed but it doesn't matter where trump is wherever he puts his foot in it becomes america are you following what i'm saying uh, uh, and wherever that whatever plane trump goes into even if it's easy jet immediately that plane becomes air force one air force one is a fantastic plane. But if Trump, by one means or the other, Air Force, One's, Air Force One, the original plane, breaks down, and that will be a real big issue. But just as it breaks down, and the next available flight is an EasyJet, because Trump walks into EasyJet, and you paid to be on that same flight, they will kick you out. Because immediately, that plane becomes air force one and you'll find fighter jets following that plane until it lands back in america because by his position he is greater than a location how much more you who is a child of god I've said this before, some will forget, but I'm trying to remind you because many times we are defeated by a location because we do not understand our position. Now, 
locations can be like a job, it could be like a marriage, it could be like a relationship, it could be like a study, it could be like a career, it could be like a finance location, it could be a church location. It could be like getting a house and living in a house. It could be a, 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 a situation you find yourself in is a location. But one of the things I try to share with us, and I'm just trying to reiterate, is you are bigger than a location. My wife and I can testify to this. I've shared this before. But when it comes to things like this, I just want to reinforce it. My, I've been using a barber for a long time, God knows when, since he knew there were hair on my head and now he's uh, successfully defeated it. I'm trying to uh, grow it up again. Um, 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 uh, I've actually asked some guys in church if they can help me, but uh, uh, nobody. Um, I'm trying to team up with Akin to have his own kind stare of care, but it's, it's not happening. So my barber's given up and he's just doing touch-up. But I want to talk about locations because my barber was in, was originally he was cutting his hair, renting a chair uh, at Barking Road. Barking Road is a good location for the black community. So you have a lot of people who come and cut his hair. There was a situation with him and the boss, he was the manager for so many years, and then he, uh, he was a faithful guy, I know he was, and then suddenly, bam, things didn't work out, and he picked his bag and whatever he had left, and then he moved. And then fortunately, I knew it was going to happen because it was faithful, he now got a shop in, uh, what's the place called? Uh, Hillnut. Hillnut? There ain't no much dudes in Hainaut. Uh, and it looks like it was a waste of time. His wife didn't even believe it was a good location. But he says, if I do well, I will attract people. So my barber starts in a place where I as pastor, even if I had prayed 55 times throughout the whole of January, I would unlikely put a shop in there. It's, it's a pure, basically, non-black area. There are two things going there. There's a white-dominated area and an Asian-dominated area. So it just looked like nothing is happening. So he starts there. And of course, I mean, when I go there, when he initially started, I don't need to book, walk in, we're cool. It only lasted less than three weeks. And he had to say to me, he's a Muslim guy, to say, Pastor, you need to book. Call me and book. So I have you on there. I'm his loyal customer. Um, But what surprises us is that even when you go on Tuesday or Wednesday during the day when it's supposed to be light, there's still a queue. So how does a man walk into an adverse location and he conquers it? So, basically, every ethnicity, white and black and Asian and all go there. He now had to hire another guy and it's just under a year. And, you, of course, I advised him and then in the, during the process I had to say to him, can you, when does your 
tenancy here run out. He says in the next one and a half years. As I go back to them and say you want to renew now. He says boys one and a half. No, 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 no. Renew for another five years. Because no one knew that this place is that productive. Sooner or later they're going to kick you out. So renew again and let's try to see how we can buy the place up. What I'm saying is that. And we share this, we talk so many times. If he walks into church right now and carries the microphone, you, he, he will say a lot. He, he always says, he says, Pastor, you encouraged me to go forward. But the best thing I saw about the guy was he was bigger and greater than a location. The location didn't define his profession. His profession defined the location. Are you following what I'm saying? So, most people, they fight a location. So, when the location is not good, then they move without realizing that the battle is not a location, but a fight of your position and imagination. And if the devil can make you doubt... And leave your position. He has got control of the entire situation. I said last week that the first step towards success is taken when you refuse to be a captive of the environment in which you first find yourself. When you refuse it. And then we spoke about uh, and I've added some about from last week. But then we spoke about, so how to take a position against a location. And sometimes the location may be your emotions. It may be you're suicidal. It may be you're depressed. It may be things are not working out for you. It may be a relationship. It may be anything. Anything becomes a location. And you may even be in a location where you still have to fight to maintain the location. You may be in a good place. You may even be in a job that things are not now going right. But you have to understand that when these storms come against your location or when you find yourself in an adverse location, so it's, it's a double sword. You may, your location may be good, but a storm comes. Are you following what I'm saying? You have a child and a storm comes. You have a marriage and a storm comes. You have a relationship and a storm comes. You have a job and a storm comes. You understand? When the storm comes, how do you take a position? Or when you now find yourself inside a storm, inside a bad location, what do you do? Do we, because there's a famine, do we pick our bags or do we go? Because I woke up yesterday and I didn't feel that fine. Do I not do it? What do I do? What, how do we fight? How do we look at something that is adverse and start to take charge over it without running away every single time? Because many people have changed relationship as if they're changing their attire because they keep running from something they should confront. Many people, even those, I don't want to argue with you, I just want peace, I'm just going away. Because you have refused to fight 
in a location. Are you following what I'm saying? I've shared this story before. I thought that when I left um, Africa and came down to London, automatically I'll be rich. Because the location wasn't that good for me there, so I thought, well, I've got an opportunity to go come back to my own land. Maybe not my father's, but it's my land. Uh, and so coming back, I thought that as soon as I walk in, uh, I'm entitled to everything. What I didn't realize was everything is based on your position. And I say this as a joke that I was poor in Nigeria and when I came here, poverty jumped into my suitcase and followed me here. I said, hey, here I am. I think my deliverance started to come when I got married. That's why I tell some of you young ones, Q, I, just, I need to sort, my, sort, sort myself out before I get your fooling yourself. Maybe your deliverance will come by who God is bringing to you. Quickly marry and sort it out. <laughs> okay. All right. Okay. 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 I asked some of us. We'll tell you. Things changed better when we got my Bible says two has the ability to put a flight 10,000. So some of you that are still on the shelf have been engaged for 45 years. Five years. What are you doing? Come and speak to me. Let me help you. Any girl here that I don't know that you're engaged and they've engaged you somewhere quiet, someone else, I bring the guy. Let me kick his behind. So when he put a wig, he says, uh, will you marry me? Somehow he has to have a date in his mind. And in this church, there is a rule, silent but deadly. Anybody engaged, you have one year, 18 months maximum before, after the engagement to when you say I do here or wherever you want to do it. Because you must be able to have your position is better than your location. So when I came here, my change of location didn't change because most of these things happened here. So how do I take a position? The first thing we said last week is you've got to find a word for your location. Because the book of Genesis 26, 1 to 7, we see Isaac did not move from a location, but dealt with the location from the word position. Should I repeat myself again? Isaac did not leave the location, but he dealt with the issue of the location from a word position. God gave him a word. It was spoken. Isaac followed the voice and the voice produced the harvest. That's why it's important for us to be able to know how to hear the word of God. How to hear God's voice. And I know the next question someone's going to ask me is, Pastor, how do we hear God's voice? Okay, we'll, we'll, we'll repeat it again. Number two, you've got to be able not only to hear a word or find the word but what speak the word to the location you must be able to be loaded consistently with right words one of the things i see my wife fight my son is, is the words of his mouth she was like don't say that don't say that so she's teaching him from a younger age say what you can he says but i have to be honest yeah honesty doesn't mean you destroy yourself. 
Oh, today is, is teaching. This is teaching, guys. So, some do we have to always fake it? Listen, when I'm in the presence of God, I can vent. There's no need for me to try to trick. He knows how I feel. So I will tell God, I'm not happy. God, things are not right. I don't know why this is happening to me. I vent. David did that. You see that in the Bible. But it was to God in my private time. When I go out, he must have spoken a word of comfort to my turmoil that the next thing the devil will hear me when I leave his presence is the word of the Father. I boast of him. Is anyone hearing what I'm saying? That's the reason why I dealt with self-pity two weeks ago because many of us are looking for self-pity. So our words garner or attract self-pity but destroy us positionally and spiritually because people are gathering to your self-pity. Do you cry in the presence of God? Do you weep? In the presence of God. Do you vent? In the presence of God. Do you talk negative? In the presence of God. But when I leave that presence, I'm supposed to be able to be comforted. The Bible says, when there's turmoil in me, he came to quiet me down. And when I go out, God says, boast in the Lord. That's the reason why David defeated Goliath. Because all his venting was done in the backside of the desert. When he came out, he didn't follow what everybody else says. I will cut your head off. How he would do that, he didn't know because he didn't have a sword. How can someone say, I will give your head to the birds of the air when all he had was a stone and a sling? But what he said came to pass because it wasn't the stone that killed Goliath. The stone followed the word that he spoke. Because he didn't say, I, I will I will, I will, uh, gut your intestines out. If he had said that, the word would have followed the the, 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 the stone would have followed the word and hit this. He just said, mm, I've learned that when you cut the head, everything else is immaterial. So he went for the head. He says, this day, I will give your head to the birds of the air. So when that stone was going forth, that stone followed... David, what did you say? Did you say leg or head? They said head. Okay, let's go for the head. So the angels took that and just went straight for the forehead and he decapitated the head because he spoke the word. So can you see the difference? Because many people say, yeah, I'm just keeping it in. I just don't want to say anything. Say it in God's presence. But when you learn that when you come out, you boast of your God. Do you understand what I'm saying? So the woman with the issue of blood says, if I can touch. She said it. And what she said, she followed. Number three, which I want to teach us tonight, is when you find yourself in an adverse location. When you find yourself in a position, in a situation like these guys found themselves in 2 Kings chapter 19, Elisha did not run from the location. He didn't only get a word for the location. He didn't only speak to the location because if you read the Bible, he says, thus says the Lord. Do you get what I'm saying? He didn't have to 
pray or fast to speak the word. This is where many churches mess up. They, they fast for a big battle. There are no big battles. There are just battles. Ah, this thing requires fasting and praying. No, it requires the word. Are you following what I'm saying? And so he said, thus says the Lord. The funny part of it is when you read further on, if you can put that scripture, he says, thus says the Lord, I have healed this water. From it shall be no more death or barrenness. So the water what remained healed to this word, to this day, according to the word of Elisha. He didn't say anything about God. So God honored his word. But one thing I saw here about not only Elisha, but the people of the land that made Elisha find a solution was they developed a new attitude in their location. It was their attitude that became infectious in the life of Elisha that made him solve the problem. They didn't leave. They were still there. Elisha himself did not have a negative attitude because of his location. Neither did Isaac. And let's go to the New Testament. Neither did Mary or Joseph. Joseph was baffled. Joseph was not pleased. But if Joseph had a negative attitude the genealogy of Jesus would not be traced through him. Because the Bible says he had it in his mind to what? Secretly get rid of Mary. Secretly. Not like some of the guys this day and age that goes on Instagrams and starts telling every negative thing the girl they went out for. Fools. Silly little devils. I just wonder... A whole grown-up man going on Instagram and typing four pages. You have to even scroll through. Is there something wrong with you? Even if she dissed you and did you wrong, the Bible says this man, 17-year-old with a 14-year-old girl, did not have a wrong attitude to get rid of Mary. He wanted to so he must have vented to God in secret. And that's when God dealt with him that don't do that. But if he had a wrong attitude like most of the guys today, they would not have been blessed through the genealogy of Jesus. In kind of like even pastor telling some of these ones that don't do this. Mm, why? Why? I remember a young man too. Was it last week or, yeah, I think last week, came into the office and says, Pastor, now, now I've got good news for you. I said, hey, now talk. And then he started talking. I said, you know what? The last time I came to see you, when I left, I called my girlfriend. He says, who the heck does he think he is? I said, well, until someone says that, I haven't yet mentored them. <laughs> or do you really despise me? I have not yet mentored you. So if you want to be mentored, we need to get to that level. There must be one time you would just... <laughs> if that doesn't happen, I haven't. 
Because listen to me. Of Abraham, and T.G. Jake said this, Abraham had to circumcise Isaac. And until a father makes a son bleed, he hasn't yet taken him to his destiny. Uh-oh, uh-oh. Even as a physical father, even fathers here, even if you're going to be a father, until your son bleeds, until you stretch him or her to the extent that they bleed, I mean, not physically cut them, do you understand? <laughs> but until they can feel like, who are you? Why are you re- do you really say to me this one? You haven't stretched them. Because you will have to circumcise them. Circumcision is not a nice place. It's bloody, it's deadly, and it's painful. That's why the Bible says, as the arrow in the hand of a mighty, so are children. But the arrow cannot go further than the archer unless he stretches the bow. Without stretching, you don't reach further on. There's nothing to gain for me. You came to me because you wanted to get something. If I was a failure, you won't be here. But if you come, you will bleed. Because even Jesus, it was by the shedding of blood that we all were here. And the Father was looking at the Son as he was bleeding. But for the greater purpose. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And so, most of the time, we find ourselves in a location, we find ourselves in a position, and then we start to say, no, this is not us. Because we have a bad attitude. And that's the reason why many people, can I just say this? And I share this with one of my sons uh, uh, this week. Many people don't really want to be mentored. As I was sharing with him, there are no mentors around. There are. It's there are no mentees who are ready to go to the depth that they saw their mentor go. They only saw the result. They didn't see what he went through. But they want to circumvent what he went through to get to where he is. And it doesn't happen. But they love sitting amongst their peers who you can have a good, nice 50 minutes, 30, one hour chit chat. How many mentorships I've seen online? Rubbish. Seriously? When you really want to go through, you would go through. There was never a Ruth who was the mother, great-grandmother of Jesus that didn't go through the horrors of being with a Naomi. There was not an Elisha without an Elijah. And there was certainly not a Joshua without a Moses. Speak to me anyone. Who of them had an easy road? But then you also have Elisha who had... What was this guy? Uh, who had a, a servant... Uh, Gehazi, who wanted to circumvent the road. And Elisha healed someone, said to them, what can we give you? Naaman, he said nothing. Gehazi went behind his back and says, oh, 
visitors has just visited my uh, master and my master needs some money, clothes and all that and got it. And while he was coming back, Elisha said to him, this is not what I trained you to do. No wonder when I gave you the staff to go and heal the son, the son didn't, didn't, didn't wake up because your attitude is wrong. He says, I didn't ask you to do that. Now let the leprosy of Naaman go upon you, circumventing the system. And in this day and age, if we, are, if we find ourselves in a bad location, have a new attitude. The children of Israel developed a negative attitude when they found themselves in a negative location. Your attitude makes the difference in how you face challenges. Circumstances appear to be instrumental in the creation of great leaders and great thinkers. But such is the case only when the attitudes are right. Your attitude is the paintbrush of your mind. It colors your world with brilliant optimism or a dark veneer of negativity. Your attitude. Consider these historical examples of leaders whose attitude carries them beyond their circumstances. There's a composer called Ludwig von Beethoven. He wrote his greatest symphonic masterpiece after he became dead. Handel Messiah. One of the most difficult pieces to play, but one of the greatest in history. The guy who wrote Pilgrim's Progress, did he write it in the Dorchester? No, he wrote it in prison. When even the Christians threw him, Christians in Britain, threw him in prison because they said that he was like an antichrist. The Christians threw him in there. And when he threw him in there, he wrote the greatest book we've seen around after the Bible called Pilgrim's Progress. And if you haven't read it, you need to go and read it. Don't read the old version, you get bored. Read the new one. Same thing with Daniel Defoe. Do you know Daniel Defoe? He was the one who wrote Robinson Crusoe. Wrote this in prison, in a negative location, with a positive mentality, knowing that their position is not in prison. It's just their location that is in prison. Franklin Roosevelt is considered by many as amongst the best American presidents. You know what he had? He had polio. He was handicapped. But he led the nation through the Great Depression and World War II. These are men or women, Helen Keller, blind, but yet did great things. And said this, that blindness is not a state of a physicality, but a state of the mind. You have blind people, Stevie Wonder, who, ha who has employed people who have four eyes, glasses plus uh, as an addition to the main eyes. And he employs them and pays them to work for him, but he's blind. No wonder they called him Wonder. 
because he had an attitude. I was watching this story of, who was this other blind man? Um, Ray Charles. His mother beat the bad attitude out of him. Have you ever watched the film? Where his mother made him to use his ears to find, was it a cockroach or a cricket or something like that, where he had to. His mom was, oh God, I wish I could stand. His mom, <laughs> his mom was crying while he was bleeding because she knew if I don't take this son to a place, people will cheat him. And the first time they wanted to cheat, he says, no, this doesn't sound like a $50 or $100. No, you're cheating me. He knew because he had developed a good attitude in a bad location. Yet Christians are forsaking God just because they couldn't find money to buy a shoe for the next coming wedding. Oh, my other people, they will be buying new stuff. And all this is the matter with you. You've got eyes that can see. You're not yet, and God forbid, you're not blind. People are going through sickness and disease and still working things out. And you're talking about an, uh, a Brazilian hair or shoe or something. I, I hear ridiculous things. You have no idea what God has done. And so we develop that negative attitude. I don't know why this is happening to me. Why not you? Somebody else? So it's good for you to listen to someone's testimony. What about yours? <laughs> testimony to me is going through a test. Well, you, now you know that. Ah, thank God for your, for your life. I thank God for <laughs> <laughs> Christian. He says we will go through trials and tribulation. It's our attitude. For years, I've tried to live by the following statement. I cannot always choose what happens to me. But I can always choose what happens in me. Do you want me to say that again? Many people are reluctant to say yes. (laughs) Get the downloads, the tape. I cannot change, always choose what happens to me. I can't. I can't. But I can always choose what happens in me. If I react to every single thing I hear as a pastor, I would have resigned a long time ago. My attitude in circumstances beyond my control would be the difference maker. Attitude is your outlook towards things. It's your manner. It's your approach. It's your way of thinking. It's your posture. It's your position. Attitude draws people to you or away from you. It was their attitude facing a bad location, situation good, land barren, water bitter. But their attitude of Going to Elisha made Elisha find the solution. Even God does not like a bad attitude. Your living is determined not so, by, not so much by what life brings to you, but the attitude in which you bring to life. And can I say, be honest, honest with you? Being very gentle, many of us have a bad attitude. Oh, Jesus. 
Nothing can stop the mind with the right mental attitude from achieving his goal. But nothing on earth can stop a person with the wrong mental attitude of, its, of, of achieving anything great. So based on these scriptures, let's talk about, I want to talk about steps to assure you of having a positive attitude. N- listen to me. No one should ever lose their job. No one should ever miss a promotion or destroy a marriage because of a poor attitude. Why? Because a person's attitude isn't set. It's a choice. Your attitude is not set. Oh, I was born with a bad attitude. Come on. Give me a break. Shut up. Chuck Swindle wrote this. He says, attitude to me is more important than education, than money, than circumstances, than failures, than success, than what other people think or say or do. Which means you can get money, you can get an education, you can get a wife or a husband, and you can have a house and your bad attitude can make you ruin the entire thing. Are you following what I'm saying? There's a great golf player who in just one single incident, one single incident, and bam, he can't still regain it. The number one. He was so good that for one and a half years, no, he was still number one without play. Nobody could reach it. He was that far ahead. Are you following what I'm saying? I remember Roger Federer. I loved the guy. For years, he was winning. He, was, he gets up to court, he would blast anyone out. And then a guy came called Rafael Nadal. And Rafael Nadal came onto the scene and started beating him. And then in his biography, um, or, or in his, in, when he was doing an interview, he said, the only reason why I was losing was I felt I was entitled to win without accepting that there could be and now there is a rivalry. Are you seeing the difference? Attitude nearly killed him. When he accepted that there is a rivalry, there became a rivalry. He started winning too. But because you feel I am entitled to this, as some of us feel, you know we spoke about entitlement mentality. We feel we're entitled to this. Many people have been in, in fact, many people think they are entitled to be a leader. In fact, because they've been a leader so long, no one can move here. In fact, some people feel I'm entitled to a particular seat in church. So why are you sitting on my seat? They will. They feel they're entitled. They're entitled to see the pastor. They're entitled for someone to make them happy. They're entitled that I married you so you would take care of me. Are you really, really sure about that? And so with all your money, with all your wealth, with all your education, you can still be a gallant failure because of attitude. 
Because when, when, when you get money, when you get gifted, when you get house, when you get something, you're now faced with something difficult and you're wondering, why me? It's an attitude. Why not you? It's the growing pains of life. When you get into a relationship, you now start questioning, well, I've been living on my own for the last 25, 28 years and nobody has said that to me. Yes, because all those who were around you are going in the same circle like you are. Nobody is going, nobody is making any progress. That's me being tame in my words. Because the Bible says, he who walks with the wise becomes wise. And he who walks with the foolish becomes foolish. No one has said that to you because no one has challenged you. No one's trying to bring you to the next level. I've been doing good on my own. Boy, you've been doing good on your own. How many years have you been in the same job, in the same one bedroom, in the same... Come on, yeah, you've been doing good. If you've been doing good, God won't say you need help, man. But it's an attitude. So you get into a relationship. You don't realize that the relationship means you will misunderstand each other. Oh, we're supposed to have understanding. No one can understand unless there's a misunderstanding. But you've got a wrong attitude. Because you want everything to work the way you thought it should work. It's my way or no way. And all these things God starts to see. And that's why we get into a job, we miss a promotion. Wrong attitude. They corrected you on one thing, you start to have a stone face all over the entire office. And they're thinking, we can't promote this person because this person is not a team player. And then you now go to one, please don't do that anymore. You go to one place during lunch and you're now opening the Bible. Make sure there's nothing called worship tabernacle anywhere near where you are. You're praying. Bad attitude. People don't want to know your Bible. They want to read Christ through you. They will offend you. Bible says offense will come. It's all about attitude. It will make or break a company. It will make or break a church. The remarkable thing is that we have a choice every day regarding the attitude we embrace that day. Let me share something with you because most of your attitude comes from your work. Nehemiah. Even though serving the king in Nehemiah, excuse me, chapter 1, even though serving the king as the wine bearer was not his purpose, he still had a good attitude. Nehemiah was called as a prophet, but although he wasn't yet in his purpose, what was he doing? He was serving the king. He was, he was giving the king wine. You know what a wine bearer means? Have you, do you know what it is? He's close to the king, but the first thing is that before you give the king the wine, you first taste it. And the king would still be talking for five, ten minutes to make sure you haven't dropped dead before I drink the wine. That's what a wine bearer is. And so can you imagine that kind of job? A prophet having that kind of job. We can't even get someone to sweep the church. We, we can't even get you to clean your own room. Well, I, I, I prefer to hire a cleaner. Everything is bigger than you. He, he was serving. He was in a job that was not his purpose. But he had a good attitude. How do I know? 
The Bible says he was faithful in it. He was faithful so much that the king noticed one day that his face was sad. He wasn't happy. And the king said to him, why are you sad? He says, because I've heard that the walls of Jerusalem has been broken down. He says, what can I do for you? Attitude attracts solution. When the king says, what can I do for you? Read the entire scripture. Thank you. Nehemiah 2.2 So the king asked me, why are you looking sad? You don't look sick to me. You must be deeply troubled. Then I was terrified. Listen, keep that there. If every single time Nehemiah was bringing the cup to drink, if he had an attitude every single time, you know, when he walked in the other day, he started again. You know how, how your parents look at you and just say, leave her. <laughs> just, just, just leave him. He's always like that. Christian, huh? worship tabernacle member. Don't tell your parents that you come to this church. This is what happens in our life. It goes from home to even walk. So just, 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 just ignore her. What kind of testimony? Just, just, just ignore him. And you know what happens? When you now get married... Because you are so used to that, you have a slight argument with your spouse for one week you're not speaking to them. Creating a negative atmosphere in your home which the children are growing up with. Negative attitude. Because you're taught in your foolishness never to say sorry. I'm always right. Even when they confront you with your foolishness, you're still right. The Bible says the king saw him and says, ah, there's something wrong with you today. When he told the king what was going wrong, the king helped him and said, should I even bring an army to follow you? He says, no, that my God will follow me. After he went, we never saw anywhere in the scripture that he came back to still be a wine bearer. He was released to his purpose by the same king he served. So can I give you gently three things? And before I even give it to you, so the job you have, change your attitude. Even if you're flipping burgers, flip the burgers singing. Let people want to come to that place to buy burgers because you're, you're, you're good. Listen, and one of the ministers can bear witness of this same, my same Baba. The Baba, he is a Muslim. And he cuts hair for most of the leading pastors in this nation. I tell you. KICC, TC, we meet there. <laughs> we meet there. And one day I said, I said, Bob, do you know what it means for you to place your hands on a leader's head. Don't take it for granted. But I've also been to a Christian papa. Ask my wife. I've been to a Christian papa. 
who speaks in tongues more than I do. And yet, I will still travel far to go to meet that guy because there's just something about his attitude. You know, hairdressers and uh, barbers must learn how to talk. If you can't talk, you're not a hairdresser. You have to talk. Keep talking. Anything that goes, you must know. You must keep. Just the entertainment alone. That it is one place I don't need to minister. Although I do, actually. Because he asked me questions. Pastor, what should I do? This, this, this. But the attitude. I got there 8 a.m. one morning. And before I got there, there was a, a, a guy, autistic guy. And nobody could cut that guy's hair. Except this man. He's cutting the hair, singing to him, dancing with him. Ah, his attitude is not a job. And I looked at him and I said, even my Christian children and brothers, they'll be saying, ah, you know, he's autistic. Huh? I don't think this is the rest of We take him somewhere where they can educate him giving up on someone else who they've given up all over the world and he, he comes he was di- i was there the mother said I, I when he left where he was she looked all over the place until he was until one day one of our friends says oh maybe you should take him to this barber and says i've been to all the barbers says no take him to one here this one this guy is very good may they say something good about you and meet you like that so she walks in and she meets the same guy that used to cut the guy's hair. That means his reputation of good attitude had gone before him. I'm telling you this because even I was challenged. So let me drop three things that you will never forget. Number one, whatever challenge you face or when you're faced with difficulty, find yourself in a wrong location, find yourself in a job you don't like. Number one, you've got to learn to divorce the past. Focus on the future rather than the past. Oh, it didn't used to be like this. It is now like it. <laughs> Instead of worrying about who did what or who is to blame, focus on where you want to be and what you want to do. As the New Testament says, let the dead bury the dead. Let it go. Number two, it's not a long one, Develop a solution mentality. Divorce the past and develop a solution mentality. Elisha focused on the solution rather than on the problem. Okay, I'm in a bad relationship, so what, what, what do I do? Develop a solution mentality. Don't find yourself ever stuck. This is how it is. There's nothing I can do. No, you are greater than the location. The instant that you begin thinking in terms of solution, you become more positive and more constructive. My wife knows. When she walks to me and says, what do we do? What do we do? And she knows, we'll be, I'll be thinking about it, thinking about it, thinking about it, until I reach a solution. There's a difference between the man and the woman. The, man will t- the woman will talk herself into a solution. So those who are not yet married, when you get married, allow your wife to talk. 
She's not asking for your opinion. She will find that. She will get that. She will say, I will do this. Uh, you know, uh, honey, you know, next time I see her, uh, you know, and I know it will happen. You know, and yes, uh, Sally, Sally, she, Sally used to annoy me, and I'm not sure how I'm going to deal with Sally. But I think when I get to work tomorrow, maybe I should buy Sally a cup of tea. What do you really think? And before you open your mouth, say, No, I've got another idea about that. So you just watch, and then they go into it. But a man would think. It, both ways are good. So just get a solution. The man would think himself into a solution. That's why if you're married to a man, stop saying, talk to me now. Talk to me. Talk to me. No. When he's going through stuff, give him time. He would think and just come out and say, this is what we'll do. But both ways, I'm not against. It's the gift of God given to humanity differently. <laughs> one he gave to think, one he gave to talk, you reach the same solution. However, however, if the most important thing is have a solution mentality, develop it. That when I'm in a situation, how can I make this work? It's infectious. We were at the airport when we were traveling. They canceled our flight and immediately pastor went into a rage. You can't treat us like this. They, they were filming me as I was addressing them. Fortunately, I mean, was it later that day or the second day, one man met me in the hotel where we were staying. I said, I like the way you dealt with them. I like the way. However, after me screaming and shouting, my wife just was waving at me, come, come, come. She said, I just heard someone rebook their flight. Maybe you should get on the phone. I'm like, I think that will work more than shouting. So while I was talking, she was thinking. For that split second in her entire life, the river, the rose. <laughs> so she called me. I said, maybe you should. And immediately I started thinking, who can I call? What can I call? What should I do? And immediately we found a solution. We called. It was long. It was laborious. But we got there. Are you following what I'm saying? Because even in a negative situation, you should still be thinking, how should I solve this? Peter thinking, Jesus the solution. Famine in the land, salt will be the solution. Water not good, bring me salt. Start thinking, develop it. Not a blame mentality, but a mentality to solve the problem. You are greater than the location, so you can solve it. You must become positive. You must become constructive. To pass through this life without a fight is to die without living. Only the dead have no exams to write. Problems to solve. Mountains to move. Obstacles to overcome. Or territories to conquer. So if you don't want problems, then you have a choice. Because those in the crew in the cemetery are the only ones that don't have a problem. Even sometimes I feel that those even in the cemetery, they may be fighting for space too. At least there's something that will go after life. But if you, only those who are dead don't face a problem. If you are alive, God has preserved your life because he knows you can't solve the problem. And number three, first is divorce, second is develop. And thought is discern what is hidden. What did I say? Discern what is hidden. Discern it. 
What do I mean by that, Pastor? Discern that something good is hidden within each difficulty or challenge. Discern it. Know that whatever situation you're facing at the moment is exactly the right situation you need to ultimately be successful. The situation has been sent to you to help you learn something. To help you become better. To help you to expand. To help you to grow. Dr. Norman Vincent Pell used to say, whenever God wants to give us a gift, he wraps it up in a problem. Look for the valuable lesson. Every setback has a valuable lesson for you to learn. Learn to embrace purpose. Learn to embrace change. When God wants to give you a gift, he wraps it up in a problem. When God wanted to give a gift to Mary and, and, uh, and uh, Joseph, he wrapped it up in a problem of her being pregnant before being married. Eh? That was for Jesus. <laughs> it's not for you. It has nothing to do with you. We don't need any child coming for salvation from any one of you. So don't go and say, oh, it's God's will for me to get pregnant. If God didn't tell you, God, in fact, she didn't even sleep with anyone to get pregnant. So stop that nonsense. Uh, I just need to say that because the tape will stop at uh, baby got pregnant. <laughs> but learn that in any situation, you learn that God wants to show you something. How many times we've been in a situation and we come out of it and say, wow, God taught us something. Pit, prison, palace. It was a lesson Joseph was learning. And that's how you have a good attitude to everywhere you are. And let me submit, bring a summation to this. If you walk with God and you find yourself in a location, know God allowed you to go through that because he wants to take you somewhere. Because when God anointed David, he didn't tell David, they're going to hunt you down. So when David was anointed, I'm an anointed man of God. And then I killed Goliath by the anointing. And then afterwards, for years, he was running through the caves, learning how to build men that would be faithful to him in his kingdom, rather than have men that Saul had, that denied Saul when he died and gave the kingdom to, in quote, his enemy against his own children. God made him to go through the cave to develop the 30 mighty men of David plus others that will stand by him even when he was wrong. Because when he counted the people, Joab said, God didn't tell you to count them. He still counted the people. He still stood with him. When he killed Uriah, they still stood with him. They stood with him because he faced with them in adversity through the cave of Adalom and through the difficulty building character as they were going along. But some of us want to get to the top without starting from the bottom. Learn to crawl. Then you can walk and then you can run before you can fly. You've been listening to Ty Adeshugba, pastor of Worship Tabernacle Church. We hope you enjoyed this message. For further inquiries, visit us at www.worshiptabernacle.com. 
www.ordinaryfaith.org.uk Alternatively, call us on 020-7435-3939 You can find us at the Citadel Worship Tabernacle 131 St. John's Way, N19 3RQ Archway, London Thank you for listening.